Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. But guess what? You're not alone. You may not know it now, but support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help find you a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. A vast universe exists within and beyond our reality. What we realize with our five senses is but a tiny fraction of all that is real. Welcome to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, and I'll be your guide and advocate as we remove the blinders of our everyday lives and experience together all that exists out there in the world beyond our world. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today we have a uh, an exciting guest on. We have Barbara Stahura. Barbara began journaling in the 1990s uh, as a result of uh, the stress from a corporate job, and it began as a daily reminder and a, a uh, an outlet of her stress from that particular work. And. In 1994, she made the break and became a self-employed freelance writer. During this time, she also moved to Tucson, Arizona and back. In 2003, she married her husband, Ken Willingham. And nine months after the wedding, he suffered a traumatic brain injury in a car accident. After being thrust into the role of a permanent caregiver and a... uh, a rehabilitation provider. She was diagnosed herself with traumatic, uh, secondary traumatic stress, which is a cousin to PTSD. 
And she was told at that time that journaling was one of the best things that she could do to work through that particular issue. So this is what became her light bulb moment. And she began to experiment and research from those things and created in 2009 a program entitled After Brain Injury, Telling Your Story. She then focused that into a book of the same name. And to this date, it is the only book that deals with journaling and brain injury. With this book, she spoke at several brain injury and association alliance conferences around the country and presented her book and some of her findings to some of the experts in the field. Also, she began to uh, study with the Center for Journal Therapy and became a certified journal facilitator in 2011. Today, Barbara presents a variety of journaling programs under the umbrella of a living, breathing story, journaling to discover your empowered self. She developed this focus as a result of many influences resulting from her years of freelance writing, as well as what she learned about the brain after Ken's injury, including neuroplasticity, epigenetics, and the concept of story and how thoughts create our experience of reality. And she can look back over the last 15 or 20 years and see how these kinds of synchronicities fell in place to bring her to this work as a facilitator. In addition to speaking at conferences related to brain injury, over the years, Barbara has presented journaling programs to audiences, including the National Guard Bureau's annual health and prevention conference, members of the Arizona National Guard returning from Iraq and Afghanistan, people with cancer, equine-facilitated therapeutic groups for people with brain injury, integrated medicine programs, the Mid-America Institute on Aging and Wellness, Ivy Tech Community College, the University of Southern Indiana, and many other smaller venues. Her program topics include Grateful Heart Journaling, I'm Not There Yet, Writing Your Way Through Transitions, Journaling for the Health of It, journaling for stress relief, and of course, a living, breathing story. This September, she will be offering her I'm Not There Yet and other programs on a visit back to Tucson. She is currently a member of the faculty of the Therapeutic Writing Institute. She lives in Newburgh, Indiana with Ken, who is happily retired and well recovered from his injury. Welcome to the show, Barbara. How are you doing today? Hi, Joe. Um, thank you for having me on. I'm doing very well. Well, I, I really want to see uh, how journaling and uh, neuroplasticity and epigenetics uh, all connect together to kind of create our experiences of reality. I think that's going to be uh, very exciting in this next hour. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> so when we come back from our first break, we're going we're gonna to get into some of those deeper topics of it, but... Uh, what got you started into journaling, dealing with stress on this? Um, well, journaling is actually a very good way to deal with stress. And as you mentioned during the introduction, when I was in that corporate job, um, the stress got so bad that I was having all sorts of physical symptoms and I was really depressed and, and I needed a way just to um, release my thoughts. And at the time, 
unfortunately, a lot of what I did was just whine and complain in my journal, which is not really a, a very healthy way to do it. And I know better now, but but it did help just to have a place to, to put down my thoughts and kind of see if I could start envisioning my future. Sounds so there are, great. there are really many ways that journaling can help with stress. We're going to get right back to that as soon as we come back from our first break. My friends, you're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin, and we are talking with Barb Stahura. Stay tuned. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good To Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? 
Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, and this hour we are speaking with Barbara Stohura, on journaling and the brain. Barbara, I, I'm on Facebook quite a bit doing uh, advertising for my businesses, and mm-hmm. I see a lot of people on Facebook that are basically using that, uh, that forum as their own journal. Every 12 seconds, they're putting up every thought that they have and everything that they're doing. <laughs> now, how does that differ from real journaling? What is journaling, and why do people want to focus on that particular aspect as, as opposed to some other ways of getting their stress? Well, I guess certainly some people could use Facebook as a form of journaling, but actually journaling is, um, it it goes much deeper, um, or it can go much deeper than just throwing out a few thoughts or or writing about, you know, that you're having a bologna sandwich for lunch and, oh, here's a picture of it. Um, Because with journaling, we usually think of it as not only writing about the events of our lives, not only recording them, but also writing about how we feel, what meaning we give to them, how they affect us. Um, so it can really go much, much deeper than just a few sentences on Facebook. And, um, <clears throat> and people can keep journal, you know, for any number of reasons, including just simply having a record of their lives, or, but also things like finding their voice or working their way through a problem or some confusion, um, envisioning their future and, and looking for some clarity during a difficult time. And um, so people really can use their journals in whatever way appeals to them because journaling really has no rules, which is nice. So how do you begin to use journaling uh, during your work with people with brain injury? Um, Well, I need to say, first of all, that I don't really, um, I'm not doing the brain injury work anymore. Um, That ended last year after about 10 years. But um, I, I began by looking at Ken's experience um, way back in 2003 and 2004, and just writing about things that might help him. Um, because when you have a brain injury or a big trauma like that, and particularly a brain injury, your whole world can change. You can go from a really um, active, productive, um, articulate person to someone who has a lot of trouble with all those things. Um, you might not be able to work again and, or anything like that. So um, you need a way really to look at your new story, the new story of your life, sort of explore it and find a new story 
and a new way to live. And journaling after brain injury is certainly not a cure at all. But what it does, it can help people um, who are able to journal after brain injury, help them find a little clarity, maybe discover some insights, um, and just give them the opportunity to look at their new lives in ways they really can't do any other way because we can't do the same thing with talking or thinking as we do with journaling. Lots of people with brain injury have issues with memory and focus, and some of them seem right. not to be able to uh, interpret what they're seeing in their reality in the way that it actually is, but as the way that they perceive it. How can journaling help with that particular aspect of the way that they view things? Well, actually, that's true for all of us. Our reality is the way we perceive it. It is what we say it is. So it's not just really for people with brain injury, but in terms of memory and focus, um, a journal for people with brain injury, and even for all of us, can act like a memory book. Um, I mean, I can't remember things that happened to me two months ago, even if they were significant sometimes. So if I have them in a journal, I can go back and look at them and say, oh, yeah, that did happen, and maybe did I learn something from it, or do I need to learn something from it? Um, just having those words on the page um, gives us an opportunity to go back and reflect, scrutinize them, and just remember what happened to us. You've uh, moved your focus away from brain injury in the last year, and you are now working on a project called A Living, Breathing Story. What does that mean, and, and are we living, breathing stories? I think we really are. You know, we all have heard that, oh, you have a life story, or you should write your life story. So we know we have a life story. And I've kind of made a distinction between the story we have and the story we are. And I like to say that the story we have, it's our personal account of who and what we believe ourselves to be, and that determines how we experience life. For instance, if I think of myself as a loser, that's how I'm going to experience life. If I think of myself as someone who succeeds quite a bit, that's how I'm going to experience life. So our sto the story that we have, it's really based on the actual, the actual events and experiences of our lives. But that story comes from the explanations we invent to describe those events. Now, and we can talk a little bit more about that too, but I'm just going to say the living, breathing story that we are, is that, that's what creates the story we have. So the story that we are, it comes from this never-ending stream of consciousness that is always, always, it's creating physical, mental, and emotional changes within us. Um, and, you know, we're not just like a mind and a body sort of stuck together. We're a mind-body or a body-mind, you might say. And so <clears throat> our thoughts are constantly affecting our physical state of being. And so it's this constant flow of thoughts creating physical reality within us that creates that story, that living, breathing story. And it changes really, you know, sometimes from moment to moment. Along those lines, if I have negative thoughts about myself and those negative thoughts direct how I view the world, I'm going to direct more of that world toward myself and basically have a spiraling condition of more negative thoughts. How do, how do I break that pattern? Right. Well, um, first of all, let me say that if you keep thinking negative thoughts or positive thoughts, whatever they are, if they're repetitive – 
that's where neuroplasticity comes into the picture because our brain is always changing based on what we think. And so if we're constantly thinking negative thoughts about ourselves, that will help create, you know, create those neural structures in our brain to keep us negative. And so we can really spiral down um, until we find a way to kind of get hold of that and stop it. And then we can turn our lives in a more positive direction with some effort because we can sort of overlay those old neural structures and create new ones that can help us be more positive. So define neuroplasticity for us. What does that actually mean in the real world? Sure. Neuroplasticity is the ability of our brain to continue changing throughout our entire life. You know, it used to be believed, and so actually very recently, and I think a lot of people still believe it, that our brains, you know, they would grow and change until a relatively young age, like our late 20s, early 30s. And after that, forget it. It was just like downhill, you know, until, into, uh, into mental oblivion when we were old. But, and we do lose some capacity with age, but really our brains continue changing throughout our entire lives, and this is the neuroplasticity um, and this, it's due to, like, our environment, our thoughts and emotions and behavior. Um, there's a saying that goes, neurons that fire together, wire together. And that's, that's what neuroplasticity is. If you keep thinking or doing the same thing a lot in a repetitive way, you're going to create those neural structures or change the neural structures that will keep you focused in that same direction. We were just talking about negativity. So what are thoughts? How, how do they do that? Well, our thoughts, it's really fascinating. Um, Lynn McTaggart, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's a writer, yes. and she's written quite a few books um, about thoughts and you know, what reality really is. And in her book, The Intention Experiment, which I think might be about maybe 10 years old by now, but she says, here's a quote from her. It says, a thought is not only a thing. A thought is a thing that influences other things. And what this means is that thoughts, they're not just words running through our heads the way we think they are, but really there's been like three or four decades of extensive research all over the world, and it shows that thoughts really are things that they are, and they are capable of affecting everything. You know, there have been quite a few experiments where thoughts have affected like the growth of plants um, and things, you know, and far, far beyond that. So what the, the evidence here shows, or suggests, I should say, that human thoughts and intentions, it's, they are a real physical thing with the amazing power to change the world. So I think you know, it would serve us well to pay really close attention to our thoughts. Um, and we can't take better control of them once we know what we're actually thinking. One of the uh, authors who appeared in the movie and the book, The Secret, uh, runs a website now called uh, Thoughts Become Things, and his entire focus is that what you think you create. Is, is this what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Just basically creating our existence and creating our future by thinking what it is and how we want it to go. I think that is true. Um, and I, I become leery of saying that we actually create our lives with our thoughts because I think that can be used in a wrong way. What I like to say is that our thoughts create our experience of reality, which is the same thing, but I think it's a, it's a better way of saying it, maybe a more accurate way of saying it, um, because 
it might not change the events in our lives, but it changes the way we react to them and respond to them, which really does make all the difference. At what point do our thoughts just simply become lying to ourselves about what is? If you know, trying to create the positive out of uh, bad situations, or trying to tell us that things are better than what they really are, or just basically flat out just trying to lie to ourselves. What at what point does that start to happen, and how do you get out of that cycle? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, my 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 quick answer is to say we lie to ourselves all the time, but not in any conscious way. Um, and what I mean by that is that our brain, our brains have evolved to exist with story. And so we're constantly thinking up, um, again, and mostly not in any conscious way, ways to explain the events of our lives. Um, for instance, let's say we have a job and we get fired. And we can say, well, it's because my boss doesn't like me or my coworkers hate me. Or maybe it's because my work didn't measure up. But whatever the, re- the actual reason is, we create some kind of explanation so that event can have meaning in our lives, so we can try to make sense of it. And that's what I mean by sort of quote-unquote lying to ourselves. We don't consciously lie, but our brains are always making up stories so we can make sense of our world and all the, this, the random things that happen to us. Did that answer your question? So in order to always make ourselves right or correct or uh, more superior in any situation, we tell ourselves that we are, even though we may actually have been the fault of some of our own self-destruction. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, You know, it's really hard, I think, to have a, a really clear view of ourselves because we all believe what we believe about ourselves. Um, and that, that comes from childhood. You know, it's based on all the experiences we have and we have this, idea of this self-image and it's really hard to change our idea of what our self-image is um, unless something really like kind of brings us up short and we go oh wow maybe I'm not the way I thought I was (laughs) what kind of events are those that make us realize that eventually you know um, um, it's hard to say it can be something really small Um, here's an example I was um, married when I was very young, like between 21 and 25, and then I was divorced for about 25 years until I met Ken. And in between there, I had this idea um, that I'm I needed a man to be happy. I'm going to have to stop you there for just a moment so we can go to our oh. next break. Okay. We'll get right back to that as soon as we come back. Okay. My friends, you're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin, and we're going to be right back with Barb Stahura in just a moment. Stay tuned, please. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. 
Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, starwalkervisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today, Know the Name, Know the Person, or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin. And this hour, we are discussing neuroplasticity and epigenetics and our thoughts and the way that they can perceive our experiences of reality with Barb Stahura, 
Barb, when we left for our last break, you were talking about those kinds of events which can cause us to change the way that we... Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. View ourselves. Right. Sure. So I was talking about um, being divorced for 25 years in between my marriages. And um, I was, you know, I really wanted to have someone in my life to share my life with. And so I was unhappy a lot of the time um, because you know, relationships didn't work out. And so after I moved to Tucson, I met this group of women and we're talking and I was whining yet again about how I didn't have a man in my life. I was probably pretty difficult to be around. And one of the women looked right at me and she said, maybe it's time to give up what you think you know. And that is what I, you know, have come to call a cosmic two by four upside my head. (coughs) Pardon me. My voice is kind of scratchy today. Um, And for some reason, it really hit me that my belief that I could not be happy without a man was really altering my life. And so I decided, okay, since it's pretty obvious I can't have this rela- any relationship because I'm the only common denominator in all of them, I'm going to be happy without – I'll be happy on my own. And at a really deep level, I really worked to change my belief about myself. And maybe it's not surprising, but I met Ken soon after that. And we've been happily married now for 14 years. So it could be something small like a comment that can change our um, opinion of ourselves or our self-belief. It can be something like a serious illness like cancer or the death of someone you love. There's no telling what, um, you know, what, will, what might happen to change our self-image. There was a movie a long time ago where somebody was pretty down on themselves and another character in the film asked, why would you believe what others tell you? And she said, well, it's easier to believe the bad things. Is it really easier to believe the negative comments people throw at us or, or should we try to accept more positive compliments? How, how, does, how do we wrap our minds around that? That's a really good question because actually our brains have developed what's called a negativity bias. Um, And that's an ancient evolutionary strategy to help our ancient ancestors survive because it helped them look for threats in the environment that could kill them. And so um, there's a a, a psychologist named Rick Hansen, and he has written about this, and he says that our brains are like a Velcro for the negative and like Teflon for the positive. So the negative things we latch on, we tend to latch onto really quickly because of this negativity bias, and it takes us longer to absorb and really um, appreciate the positive thoughts. But we can learn to do it. It just takes a little more effort, especially you know if we've been raised in a real negative environment or we've been raised to think 
you know, that, that we're not a very good person or that there's something wrong with us. It can be overcome, but it, it takes some effort. So is that an American thing or a North American thing or is that a human thing? Would, would somebody raised in a different environment or in a different culture think differently about that? I think it's probably a human thing. And again, it depends, um, you know, a lot on our environment when we're being raised. You know, if, 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 we, if we're raised in a loving family um, and, you know, we're, we're taught really that we're okay the way we are and that we can succeed, um, we tend more to do that than if we're raised in a, an environment where it's more negative. I'm a, uh, I'm a Reiki master and an energy, energy therapist. And I deal a lot with people mm-hmm. who uh, not only some of them have some physical uh, things going on with them, but a lot of their physical issues are created by their thoughts and their emotions. And in talking with some people, no matter how many positive ways I can spin things, they want to keep going back to negative or they want to keep trying to create more negative situations, which then furthers their own uh, illness. How does... Uh, someone like me use the concepts of neuroplasticity to break through those negative barriers to get uh, some people to think more positively about themselves or their situation. I, you know, I'm not sure that that anyone can convince anyone else to be more positive about themselves. Um, of course, you can support people um, in that in a whole lot of ways. Um, you know, Reiki being one of them, but. Because I think because of the neural structures, um, the way our brains have been formed based on all the negativity, um, unless the person can really come to some realization that they don't have to be so negative, that they can be more positive. Um, I don't know if, 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 it, if it can happen. Um, you know, I'm certainly not a mental health expert by any means. Um, I, journaling, I think, could help um, sometimes if, if Journaling only the negative things in your life tends to reinforce the negative things. It's a good idea to have a little more balance to at least um, try to include some positive elements in your journaling. Um, and there are you know, some studies that have shown that. So I'm, I'm not really sure how to answer that question. You use a sentence from the ancient Sufi poet Hafiz in your program, and it goes, the words you speak become the house you live in. What does this mean, and why does this thought uh, so central to your work? Uh, I love this sentence the moment I heard it years ago. In fact, I have it. I printed it out in a decorative way, and it's stuck here in my office wall. But it really struck me at the moment. It's a metaphor, of course. But he was talking, he was using it to describe what we were just talking about, that our thoughts determine our reality. The words we speak, are, he, he, it's not even, not just the language that we say out loud, it's the thoughts in our heads. And so, I, you know, even though he didn't know it way back when, hundreds of years ago when he wrote it, because I didn't know about neuroplasticity then, but to me he was describing neuroplasticity in a poetic way. So, again... Um, it depends on how we think about ourselves and the world that determines that house we live in, that determines our experience of reality. Um, you know, like Thomas Edison, that, that quote, I'm paraphrasing, of course, that, you know, um, I didn't fail, I just haven't 
I've just found 10,000 ways not to create a light bulb. He could have said, oh, well, I've tried 10,000 times. Forget it. I'm going to give up. It's not going to work. So he created, he had a whole different reality for himself where he was, gonna, he was persistent. He was going to keep going rather than saying, oh, well, I've done it 500 times. It's impossible. So the world would have been a lot differently if he had believed that. Um, it's, it's really important to, to examine our thoughts and explore our thoughts and see what we think about things. Along with our thoughts, a lot of what we know now after 100 years of studying quantum physics is that in order for anything to happen in our existence, an observer is required. And that has been proven time and time again through multiple experiments mm -hmm. that the observer is a part of the process of being. And we, as the observer, can filter what we're actually seeing or what, what the result of the experiments are by our thoughts and the way that we view the world itself. And that leads mm -hmm. into epigenetics. So describe and define epigenetics and what that means for us. Okay, I can explain it in a, in a simplified way because I'm not an expert in it. But about 10 years ago, um, I had the honor to interview um, Bruce Lipton when I was a freelance writer. And he wrote a great book called The Biology of Belief. And I think they've just released an, like an updated 10-year anniversary edition. But epigenetics is a relatively new branch of science, I think. It's really fascinating. So I know when I went to school, um, and a lot of people still believe this, that our genes are our destiny. You know, the genes we're born with, are, they create our fate. And so say some people say, well, you know, cancer runs in my family. Everybody gets it, so I'm going to get it. Or that having a certain gene means, you know, you're doomed or you're blessed. But what epigenetics tells us, and again, I'm saying this in a very simplified way, is sure we are born with this particular set of genes, and we can't change that. But epigenetics has shown that the genes, in a way, they turn on or turn off, they express or they don't express, based on a whole host of factors. And one of the strongest factors, um, along with you know, like the outside environment and our diet and things like that, is the, our inner environment, meaning our thoughts. And mostly, it's the subconscious thoughts. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and, you know, our subconscious thoughts really run the show. In biology, I believe Bruce has a diagram. It's like a black sheet of construction paper with a tiny little white dot in the center. And that little white dot is our conscious mind. And all the black around it is our subconscious mind. So even though we think we're in control consciously, we're really not. And so that's where a lot, I think, of these um, – and I don't want to say that we cause our own illnesses in any conscious way because, I mean, that's really cruel to, to say that to someone. But I think maybe in subconscious ways we might sort of cause the illnesses to happen. But it's not like we're, we walk around thinking, oh, I know I'm going to get cancer. Maybe our lifestyle contributes to that. Maybe if everybody in our family gets cancer, maybe it's because they have a horrible diet or because they're stressed all the time. It's not necessarily because they have the gene for that. It's that the way they behave and think causes those certain genes to express that might bring on the cancer. So, you know, our thoughts produce these physical reactions in our bodies. And so this is what can cause the genes to express or not express. You know, stress is the leading cause of many, many illnesses, and stress comes from our thoughts, but the thoughts create 
um, the physical reactions in our body that cause the illness. Along those lines, they have uh, they've actually been able to prove that water itself can hold information over time and even from one generation to the next. And so what happens in one generation can actually happen to another generation thought and emotion wise and physically as a result of that. Is it possible then to to change the way that we think in a way that is more healthful for us? And how do we go about doing that? Oh, we certainly can change our thoughts. I mean, look at how many people now um, are involved in fitness for themselves, personal fitness. They've learned to eat in a healthier way and to exercise. Um, It is possible to change those things any time. And talking about the epigenetic changes continuing through generations, that has been shown in some cases that epigenetic changes in one generation can carry down into you know, the, the next couple generations. They've shown that with um, um, Holocaust survivors and maybe their children or their grandchildren, they have a different reaction to stress um, than people who were not involved in the Holocaust. And I know there have been some other studies, I can't recall any right now, um, but so epigenetic changes can continue far beyond, you know, the person and the generation in which they happened. So and, and if they're negative, they can also be positive. I think it would just take more effort to create it in a positive direction because of the negativity bias that we all have. So with a negativity bias that can be passed down from one generation to the next, is that why people who are part of successful families continue to be successful? Um, And I don't want to say that the negativity bias is passed down from generation to generation. That's just the way our brains have evolved. Um, And so we all have that. But um, I think it is true for the most part that... um, a lot of our the well, way we'll we develop right depends that on what just happens a moment, during our folks. Earth. You're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin, and we'll be right back in just a moment. Please stay tuned. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize, while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, 
Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, Soul Balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A Soul Balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back, my friends. You are listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent. And as always, our show is produced and distributed by the ever-expanding leader in New Age, Paranormal, Alternative Health, and Supernatural Programming, the X-Zone Broadcast Network and Relmar McConnell Media Company at their corporate headquarters and master control in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 
to learn more about the World Beyond Radio Show, your host, or to discover a multitude of other amazing shows and hosts, please visit www.xzbn.net. To contact me to inquire about being a guest on the World Beyond, please email me at Joe Wegent. That's Joe, W-E-I-G-A-N-T, at xzbn.net. For more information, you can also visit my websites, www.paranormalpeace.com and www.reikichoice, that's R-E-I-K-I, choice.com. And I'm always available on those sites on Facebook and on my profile as well. Our guest this hour is Barb Stahura. Barb, how can uh, our listeners get a hold of you to learn more information? Well, my website is barbarastahura.com, and that's B-A-R-B-A-R-A-S-T-A-H-U-R-A.com. I'm also on Facebook, but I know there are other Barbara Stahuras there, so they just have to kind of look for me. More I, than oh, one I should mention, too, that I do have a Facebook page. Right, more than one, yeah. I don't know if that's good or not, but... <laughs> Um, and I am on Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook page called A Living, Breathing Story Journaling as well. So let's talk more about A Living, Breathing Story. What is this program and how does it work? Well, it's based on the fact that we exist in story. Um, you know, like they say, fish are immersed in water so they don't know what water is. As humans, we're immersed in story and we don't even realize it. Um, and in fact, we really cannot exist outside of that story because our brains have evolved to work with story all the time. That's just the way they operate. They tend to turn everything into stories so we can make sense of what's happening in our lives. And so, um, of course, you know, the, the events of our lives are real, but as we mentioned earlier, um, we, we, make a, we invent these explanations um, just sort of naturally and automatically. Um, so... Once we know that we live in story, not only our own personal stories, but the historical and cultural stories that really are like the water that we live in, you know, things like economics and religion and politics and the way we look at gender roles, all those kind of things, once we start realizing that, we can, we can start making conscious decisions if we want to believe them or not. Um, like in terms of historical story, it's like there's no logical reason why women should be considered inferior to men or that people of one skin color should be considered inferior or superior to another one. It's just that long time ago, people made up stories to say this and it's become part of our culture and it's just kind of there now. And it's like, it's that water that we live in. So with journaling though, um, we can learn to see these stories more clearly. And if we don't like them in ourselves, we can change them. Um, and it's, it doesn't all, we don't always change through journaling, but sometimes you'll have an insight or a discovery and you say, oh, wow, that's not working for me anymore. Or I didn't know I was thinking that and I'm not too crazy about that. Maybe I can work to change it. So it's... Uh... 
in the same way that mythology was simply a philosophical grasping at why things are the way they are, descriptions of nature, descriptions of uh, the changing of the seasons and those things eventually became the mythology of a culture. We can create our own mythology of existence mm-hmm. and change those stories as we go then. Right, right. I mean, again, it's not necessarily easy, particularly if, you know, the things we learned and picked up when we were very young, maybe up till age seven, when we're just like sponges and we have no defenses against anything, those kind of real basic foundational beliefs that we have about ourselves, most of which are unconscious or subconscious, those can be hard to change, but it is possible, uh, whether it's through you know, therapy or meditation or journaling or Reiki or whatever, um, it is possible. To ch- I, I believe it's always possible to change our lives in a more positive direction. So you use the concept of uh, interbeing from the uh, Vietnamese monk uh, Thak, or Thich Nhat Hanh to explain most of the uh, importance of the understanding of the interdependence of everything. Without these infinite pieces right. of interdependence, we could not exist. So what does this mean? How, how, do, we, how do we make that real? We, you know, we look at our, our hand, look at your hand and you say, oh, at the outside of my skin, that's where I end. We look at something on our desk and say, that's my little calculator over there. That's where that ends. But really, everything is energy. And Joe, you know this very well. Everything is energy. It's just that the physical objects are um, manifestations of that energy. And Thich Nhat Hanh, he has a quotation. I don't think we have time for it, but... Um, if you look up interbeing with a hyphen in between inter and being, you could probably find it. But he shows how a cloud is floating in a sheet of paper. That's how he begins it. Without a cloud, there will be no rain. Without rain, the trees cannot grow. And without trees, we cannot make paper. The cloud is essential for paper to exist. And then he goes on to say that um, you, you can see see the sun in the paper because without sunshine, the tree couldn't grow and the wheat the logger couldn't grow. We are absolutely, totally interdependent on everything else in the universe. Um, and so this, I think if we realize this more, you know, there wouldn't be war, we wouldn't have all this environmental destruction going on, um, because we think we're separate. We think if we chop down that forest to make some money, it's not going to have any effect. It might make me richer, but then we don't take into account the, the, the fact of all the benefits that those trees gave us when they were standing there as a beautiful forest. Um, it's really hard to realize how, how in, Thich Nhat Hanh would say, inter-are, how we inter-are with everything else. But if more of us could grasp that, even on a small level, I think the world would be a, a much better, healthier more positive place with more compassion and and understanding for not just humans, but for all creatures. So which is more powerful and which is uh, harder to change our beliefs or our thoughts? Well, our beliefs are our thoughts. So it all comes down to, to change anything about something. You have to change your thoughts about it. So where do emotions come into play from this? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. Emotions, um, I think, are physical responses to our thoughts. You know, if we, if we feel really happy we, in our bodies, we feel light and, 
and sort of airy and uplifted. If we feel angry, maybe our stomach gets really tight in knots. You know, if you if we get angry, if you pay attention to how you feel when you're angry versus when you feel happy, you can tell the physical difference in your body. And those those thoughts that make us angry, they work on our body, and we start producing all these these um, hormones and chemicals that can cause illness if we stay in that state for a long time versus um, if we're more positive and calm and happier, that produces a whole other set of chemicals in our bodies that keep us feeling that way and that can help, help us stay healthier. I like to think of our, um, our existence as uh, metaphorically like a light bulb where just as uh, the light does not stop at the glass of the bulb. Our energy doesn't stop at our skin. And that which we feel yes. and that which yes. we think actually emanates out into the space around us. And, of course, other people can uh, pick that kind of thing up. How do we go about changing our beliefs about something so that way our resultant thoughts and emotions can then improve? Well, I think, first of all, we have to realize that we can change our thoughts, or which are, you know, are our beliefs. Um, and then once we realize that we can do it, we have to see maybe that there's some benefit to change it. You know, I think a lot of us, we tend to be comfortable with whatever's familiar, even if it is uncomfortable for us or makes us unhappy, but that's what we know. So if we somewhere have a realization or an insight that mm, maybe I don't have to continue believing this anymore, um, that's, I think, the beginning of the change. And again, journaling can really help with that because when we think we just have these sort of words running around in our head and they disappear. And the same thing happens when we talk, but when you write them down in a journal, you know, whether it's paper or on a screen, however you do it, they become tangible. They can make your thoughts, uh, that process can make your thoughts more manageable and you can reflect on them and say, you know, you, like we were talking earlier, you have this memory book. You can go back and look. You can even start to create and envision your future by writing about it in a positive way. Um, you know, look into the future, date your page a year into the future, and write what your best possible life would be like then. And if you keep doing that kind of practice, that will start changing the neural structures in your brain, and that can lead you in that direction. I'm not saying that it will automatically happen, but it can help. You can help create more positivity in your life by finding ways to be more positive. Outstanding. So we can, in fact, write our own evolution. And we are reaching the end of our show today. It has been a pleasure having you on with us today, Barbara. Thank you, Joe. It's been my pleasure to be here. And folks, this has been the World Beyond Radio Show. We appreciate you tuning in, and please stay with us. We'll be back on another day, and thank you for tuning in with us today, folks. Have a great one.